Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. Today's podcast is being brought to you by one of my very, very favorite platforms called Kajabi. If you're looking for a platform to host a website, to capture leads, to convert leads, to do a simple sales funnel or a lead page, Kajabi houses all of that stuff under one roof. One of the things that you will love, it removes all barriers of using technology. It can help you soar your business online and scale your business. It is absolutely the easiest platform I've ever built on, on the back end. And for the user experience, it is amazing. And it is so easy to use for an exclusive rate. And to get a free trial, go to my link, angelaprofit.com slash Kajabi, K-A-J-A-B-I. Before we get started today, I have a question for you. Are you too busy to do one more thing, to add one more thing to your plate? Chances are that you're feeling like you don't have enough time in the day to get everything done. You're pulled in a million directions. There are so many distractions, notifications. You may not be sleeping. You find yourself saying yes to the wrong things. And you're stressed. Is it ever going to end? If you want a solution to overcome distractions, I have a free gift for you. You can go grab my free video course. This is a four-day short video course that will teach you what the first steps are to stop the distractions, increase your productivity, and get your time back. You can register today for the four steps to better productivity at gsdsecrets.com. Hi, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled, and you are in for a treat today. So I know on a lot of our podcasts, we always focus on being a better business owner and an entrepreneur and share your experiences. And the experience that my guest is going to share today is so interesting. And when I was reading about the guest and when I was watching his TEDx talk and listening to the story, I'm like, this is like shit that how I grew up when I was a child, like stuff that my dad and my family was like running around with like crazy stuff that um, you, it's like you don't know you're you're running around the wrong people until like something jarring like sneaks up behind you <laughs> behind you mm. and that's kind of what um, we're talking about today and so I'm excited because okay let me just back up so think about Silicon Valley 
and Indiana Jones, which y'all know I don't watch a lot of TV, but I do know who Indiana Jones is. I've never seen any of the movies though, but our guest has a new book. It's called Chasing Black Unicorns, which I love unicorns. So why would I not listen to it or read it? Right. And so our guest today, he is one of Poland's most respected internet entrepreneurs. And I know that he is because when you read into the story, it's like he went from that to ending up on like the most wanted list in Interpol, which I think that's how you say it. And he's, he's just been all around the world. So Marek Zimsklowski, I don't even know if I butchered your last name or not, but welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. Great, um, great background you have given me. Although I must say that I'm probably not most respectable just because of the Interpol situation. Most known for sure. But yeah, uh, thanks so much for being here. And uh, yeah. hi to everyone listening in. Yeah. So we have to back up because we were chatting before we started recording. And so I asked Mark, I'm like, so where do you live now? And he's like, well, when, um, you know, the year 2020 was a very unexpected year for all of us. And yeah. you have, you've really been and lived in a lot of different places. So before you even get there, like, take us back, like to your journey. I know that I think you said you grew up in Poland, but like, what led you to working with um, some of these financial services companies, which mm-hmm. we'll get into your story, but how did you even get there? Like, what was your journey um, to get you yeah. there into that industry? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to try to give you like the, the, the 90 seconds version of my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, born and raised in, in Poland. Uh, in the, I was born in the late 80s, so that was the end of capitalism. Oh, sorry, the end of communism. Now, we, now it's the end of capitalism. <laughs> I'm laughing. Uh, it was the end of communism in Poland uh, and the beginning of crazy capitalism. Um, so I was raised by a very classic traditional family. My father was a soldier. My mom was a teacher. They were both making money from the government salary. Uh, but we were one of the first, you know, families to have uh, satellite TV so I could watch MTV and, and CNN. And I was kind of raised by looking at the West and, 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 and dreaming about being able to become an entrepreneur, make business and, and be able to travel the world and not be stuck to the city I was born in because I was living in this very, very small city of 100,000 people somewhere in the Eastern Europe. Uh, so that, 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 that motivation to just make it and, and be able to travel and move to a warmer country and, uh, and, and be able to buy whatever I want, very materialistic in the early eight, uh, years of my life was super strong for me. So I, I went the, the path like every online entrepreneur wanted to because I was young. So I guess I'm going to be somehow involved in the online business. I wanted to be the second Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs, meaning I dropped out of university during first year. And I wanted to be on the second Apple on second Facebook. Clearly that didn't work out <laughs> because only after some time you realize that guys like Zuckerberg or Jobs or Gates that are dropping out of university to become successful are kind of exception of the rule, not the rule itself. Mm-hmm. But long story short, I ended up first in financial services company because that's where the money was. That was year 2006, seven. That was before the Lehman Brothers and before the crisis. Everything was growing like crazy in Poland. I would join the company as employee number five. And when I was leaving after three years, there was like 3,000 or 4,000 almost of us. We were wow. selling insurance, investment, mortgages, everything you could sell. It was just so easy to sell because the markets were, markets were going up. 
But then obviously Lehman Brothers came 2008 and we've lost all our money, the money of our clients. There was no money there. Uh, the company went bankrupt. Uh, all, me personally, I also went bankrupt because all the money I was making, I was either investing in the stocks that then totally disappeared or I was basically spending on lavish lifestyle. I was this 19 year old kid uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> thinking he's on top of the world. So I ended up being a bartender, had to run away from my debtors. Just by a pure coincidence, was hired as an intern at my friend's online startup. He told me, um, I'm not going to pay you that too much. This is your basic salary. But if, if, I'm, if I'm able to make it, so-called, you're going to get some shares in the business. And I was just the luckiest guy in the world because he was able to sell this business. And I just got the shares just because, just because I was, again, an early employee. Mm-hmm. And, and by making money on the shares, I was able to pay my debts from the financial crash. Uh, and that's how I was like, okay, this is a defining moment of my life. Startups have just saved my life because I could have ended up well at the street. Yeah. Um, and that's where I decided to focus my career on, on online startups. And just to finish the third chapter of my life, I did some small and bigger businesses in, in, in Poland. We've, we've launched a couple of businesses. Some of them went down, but some of them uh, we were able to sell. Uh, but at some point, I felt like, I, again, I wanted realized the dream that I was watching when I was a teenager in MTV and CNN. And I was like, I want to find a way to have an international adventure because all those businesses I was doing, they were in Poland. Um, and I felt like I'm missing this international adventure. And uh, I found an investment fund who at that time was planning to invest large sums of money into sub-Saharan African continent. That was year 2012. Mm-hmm. And basically this investment fund wanted to build a second Amazon you know, the Amazon of Africa. And they were yeah. looking for, for experienced entrepreneurs from Europe that were crazy enough to, to you know, to join the team of, L, again, early employees that will um, work for them for not a lot of money, but for shares as well. Because again, if the company becomes a success, you will earn a lot of money just by having those shares. And I knew how that feels because that was my first adventure with startups. So long story short, 2012, I moved to Nigeria without knowing much about the country, without knowing much about the continent. Probably this is why I moved, <laughs> because if I knew right. more, maybe I wouldn't go. Uh, right. But long story short, after six years, excuse me, after eight years, because that was last year, the business we've launched uh, ended up on New York Stock Exchange. Um, so that was one of the extremely positive adventures of my life. Um, but in the process, I've also invested in other companies in, in Nigeria in the last couple of years, including one of them where I got myself into trouble with the powerful Nigerian businessman, I just put it this way, who at some point tried to blackmail me to give back the company. And in order to do that, they've, they've, corrupt, they've paid Nigerian police to put me to jail, <laughs> long story short. So that was the extremely negative adventure. And, uh, and, that's, and that's basically what I spent last years of my life uh, because there was a lot of legal issues involved i also wrote a book about it and uh that's where i am today <laughs> uh, that wasn't 90 seconds so, that was like 900 seconds sorry for that no 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 but I, it's like i just have so many questions so like how because like if if anybody listening if you haven't listened to the tedx talk you you're gonna have no clue what i'm talking about but i want you to tell people you literally had no clue, it seems like, that you were like 
you really had to overcome challenges, like from all these criminal gangs that were running the market. And then you really had no clue until I think you were at the airport. And then you were like on the most wanted list. Like, were you completely blindsided and caught off guard? Or did you have some type of like inkling, like, Okay, yeah. I kind of know that this is like not right, but it's not about me. So like I'm just going to keep doing it. Like tell us how that all happened and unfolded because it's just yeah. crazy. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it does sound like a, like an action movie, but uh totally. I, I, I guess it's even better than an action movie because the the best scenarios are being written by life itself. <laughs> So, um, long story short, we had this big software company in Western Africa that was uh, building software for hospitality sector for big hotels on on the on the west coast of of Africa. And uh, my local business partner at that time, at some point, decided he doesn't need this uh, Polish entrepreneur anymore in the company. He figured he could run this company on its own. Unfortunately, this is a typical scenario in exotic countries when there's a foreign investor, someone from a different region, comes to this country needs help of someone local and then that local person decides okay i don't need this foreign guy anymore he already brought the company he helped me build i'm gonna run this on my own uh and they're usually taking over this company and kicking out the foreigner from the from the country that's not that easy to perform such a such a trick with software companies because i might be kicked out of the country but i still have control over software right we all live in digital world we probably know a lot about that so at some point, mm-hmm. uh, he basically tried to uh, take over the company by going behind my back to all other uh, board members and telling them, I will pay you out. Just let me give me the control over company. If you help me kick out this Polish guy out of the board, I'll give you some more shares. Be on my side. His plan didn't work. They all came back to me when I realized what has happened. I was able to kick him out uh, from the board, this time the legal way because his actions were involved in uh, were designed into attack the company in a way and that's where Mm -hmm. his ego was hurt because he was this powerful guy in nigeria and i remember my last conversation with him which was face to face when he said um you still don't know what i can do in order to get what i want and obviously i thought he's just he's just threatening me like like i've been threatened many times in my life and six months have passed and it was super super quiet I was remember. I remember I went to Dominican Republic to, before Christmas to meet my girlfriend family. Then we came home to Christmas, to the second part of Christmas and New Year's Eve to Europe. My girlfriend met my parents for the first time, my mother. And then after New Year's Eve, I think I was flying to London. And at the airport, uh, I was stopped at the airport. I was kept for a couple of minutes at the immigration office. And I'm used to it because uh when you travel in africa you have to change your passport pretty often because every country you enter they use these huge stamps you know every every mm-hmm. every time you enter ethiopia the size of the stamp is like the size of your passport page <laughs> yep. so you have <laughs> you have to replace your passport every year and and i would have my passport replaced by polish embassy in nigeria and again nigeria doesn't have the best pr in the world unfortunately you are at the airport and you know the immigration officer sees this passport of a polish guy which is distributed and printed in nigeria not printed but you know uh, stamped in nigeria yeah. uh, it, yeah. it, they, they usually like to check me twice so i was like okay check me twice that's fine and a couple of minutes have passed i'm not even 
uh, understanding what's happening around me and suddenly those two big dudes come after me, come behind me and they tell me, okay, you're going with us now. And then uh, they told me that I was taken to this room with no windows and so on, classical, classical case. I can do one last call to my lawyer, like you see in the movies. And then he tells oh me that God. apparently I'm wanted in Nigeria uh, for a so-called high-scale financial, high financial fraud. And the arrest warrant says that I'm supposed to go to jail for apparently 21 years. And oh obviously, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a funny thing about Nigerian law that if you, for a certain amount, you go to jail for five years, for five years. But if you, uh, if you allegedly steal more than a certain amount of money, which I think it's a very curious amount of money, which is like 210 or 215 thousand dollars, it's a very precise amount. Then the, the penalty goes from five to 21 years. And, and obviously in the arrest warrant, I allegedly stole precisely that amount of money. So I go not for five years, but for 21 years. But that's another story. Oh my and, God. <laughs> and, and obviously it takes me a couple of minutes to digest everything. And then I realized what happened. Obviously my Nigerian business partner, ex-business partner has, has bribed Nigerian police in order to put this arrest warrant to bring me back to Nigeria they would most likely keep me in jail for a couple of days, weeks or months, depending how tough I am. And trust me, in a Nigerian jail, no one is tough. They would probably give me papers to sign. I would probably sign everything they would give me, which basically meant giving control and shares of the company. Um, mm -hmm. And that's basically the scheme. And here I have to give you a, a caveat because Interpol is also involved. Interpol imagine is working like facebook this is one huge platform for all the police organizations in the world that has a very noble noble goal right if there's an international criminal you want the police to cooperate to bring him down because otherwise he would be taking advantage of the fact that we live in a global village and he can never be chased and that's a beautiful and noble goal for this interpol organization to perform just like Facebook wow. has a noble goal to connect people. But as we know with Facebook also, it, it doesn't always work out the, the, the most beautiful way. And what happens with Interpol is that in a country like Nigeria, unfortunately, Nigeria is a very corrupt organization. Nigeria as a country is very corrupt, unfortunately, and Nigerian police is one of the most corrupt organizations inside Nigeria. Essentially, you can get, a, you can get an arrest warrant on anyone if you, if you know who to pay and how much to pay. And because Nigeria is a, is a member of Interpol, all you need to do is to go to any police station in Nigeria, as long as they have access to the Interpol system, they have internet, find a police guy that will write down an arrest warrant, stamp it, sign it, then go to any judge. It can be the most local judge, not any federal judge, the most local judge also in the city. He signs it for you. And then you go back to the police station, they put it into the system and immediately in 165, because I believe this is how many member countries there are in Interpol, all the countries are now know that you are wanted for anything that they put onto the arrest warrant, and you will be extradited to Nigeria after some procedures. Uh, no one checks this really, unless you are a very high profile, like a president of, obviously when Iran issued a red notice, because essentially they did a red notice on me, which is a, a most, um, the most serious notice to, that you can issue after anyone. 
And I remember recently it, this case was pretty loud in uh, in the states when Iran has issued a red notice to extradite Donald Trump to Iran because they broke the law by killing the the military officer. Yeah. So Nigeria issued a red notice for me. I'm not a high profile man, but Interpol will check it. Is this arrest warrant even legit? They just allow it to be in the system, just like Facebook or YouTube, right? Almost anyone mm -hmm. can, can put anything on the platform, even if they have no right to. But if someone has put something that belongs to you, good luck, uh, good luck talking to Facebook and asking Facebook to take it down, right? You know how, it, right? how, much, how long it works. <laughs> right. And that's, and that's unfortunately the, the second part of this whole blackmail that b people in business that know who to pay, how to get their way use because that red notice is designed at putting me in one country because at that point I, was, I couldn't leave Poland. My passport was taken. I was still lucky that I wasn't put to jail until I was extradited to Nigeria. I was able to be let go as long as I stay in Poland because my passport was taken and okay. somehow defend myself. But because I can travel and last 10 years of my life, I really spent traveling and, and running most of my businesses in Africa. Obviously, it is designed at me losing money. Uh, they will either bring me to Nigeria, so I sign all the papers, or they will make me slowly bleed out of all my savings by trying to fight this case because yeah. there are tens of thousands of problems like that uh, in Interpol. You could write a separate book just about how dictators and corrupt businesses are abusing the, the fallacies of the Interpol system. I was, I guess I was one of the luckiest and also, uh, how do you call it? Stubborn, <laughs> stubborn mm -hmm. guys that instead of agreeing on what they essentially wanted me to do, which is giving the shares of the company and resigning from the board, I decided to fight the case legally because, uh, because I had the resources and I was stubborn yeah. enough. Uh, it took me two years. I had to take Nigerian police to court uh, in Nigeria. I had to take Nigerian police to court in France because France is the headquarters of Interpol. Uh -huh. And I had to defend my extradition request in front of the Polish court. And after two years and a lot of gray hair <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a lot of tough moments, I was able to win all those three cases uh, and write a book about it uh, in the meantime, uh, because the book was for me um, kind of like a psychotherapy because I was able to yeah. figuratively and literally leave all those emotions on a piece of paper. So, so how um so you were stuck in poland so you had to stay there and fight this for two years and did you just have like really damn good attorneys i think so that, i think that's that's the quote in my book i love that quote that when problems happen you can only count on your family and lawyers but you have to be able to afford the second <laughs> the, the, the lawyer right um I think I was very lucky with the lawyers, yes. Because um, I, I, essentially I had three lawyers and they were freaking expensive, but good. The first lawyer was my lawyer in Nigeria. And that was the lawyer that I used to work with for a couple years already because I was running businesses in Nigeria. This was a lawyer that wasn't specialized in cases like this. He was a civil, civil law lawyer, right? A lawyer that helps me with setting up a company. But yep there were not too many people I could trust. So although he wasn't the best lawyer, I needed someone I could, I could trust in Nigeria. So that was my lawyer. Then I had to have a lawyer in Poland that would uh, represent me in front of the Polish court 
uh, because there was this uh, official request to send me to Nigeria. Um, and, and that was a very good lawyer. Um, and then most importantly, I had a lawyer, funny enough, from Miami, from Florida, uh, which is a lawyer that is specialized in Interpol abuse cases, like the one that happened to me. Oh. There's, there's not enough lawyers who, uh, who have such a narrow speciality. And, uh, and this lawyer really helped us navigate the very bureaucratic system of Interpol, because that's exactly the problem, the bureaucracy of Interpol, which makes you lose time. I know people that have been fighting this for five years and they see no end. Uh, wow. I was lucky enough to, to solve this all in, 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 in two, two years and Interpol essentially admitted, oh, okay, we're sorry, <laughs> this, inter this arrest warrant. Official line of defense of Interpol was that, we're sorry, there's so many cases, we're not able to analyze them all at once, we have limited resources. You have sent the appeal to us, we've analyzed it. By the way, it took them you know, almost two years to analyze it and they admitted that this wasn't a valid arrest warrant and Interpol should have never been involved in this. But again, it's all designed at, I may, at making me lose time and money by, by being stuck into one country. And again, I was extremely lucky that the Polish public prosecutor decided to release me uh, just as long as I stay in the country so my passport was taken. If it wasn't for the public prosecutor, if it wasn't for my case, some people are stopped in another country and the, the prosecutor of that country, they might say, okay, I don't know if I'm going to extradite you, but until I decide, you're staying in jail. And if I was, if I was stopped and kept in jail, my possibility to defend myself would be, would be limited Very by an order good. of magnitude. Yeah, so I was extremely, extremely, extremely lucky. Uh, uh, but I guess that's the whole point. If, if you run businesses in, first of all, in my case, that was Eastern Europe, and mm -hmm. then in Africa, because in the process I've realized that I really love the, the risk reward factor when you're mm -hmm. building businesses in, in these countries where obviously corrupt in these regions when corruption is higher, but also opportunities is, is bigger and just there's more fun because I'm allergic to Excel. You know, when you run a business in Germany or Switzerland, it just sounds boring, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> to run a business in Germany. But here it's, it's, it's much, much more fun. And I think that's the whole point. If you have to be extremely lucky sometimes in life to be able to tell the story because if you run business sometimes in those, in those regions and you're not lucky, maybe you won't, you won't be able to share the story. Yeah? So, so clearly though, going into this journey, you didn't know that this business partner and did, did you have any idea how corrupt the system was or you didn't even fathom that until you started to get into the system when they took you to jail? Yeah. So uh, be before I answer that question, I want to like put things into perspective after more than eight years of running businesses in Nigeria in, in particular, I still consider this, uh, this country as one of the most interesting markets to invest in and do business in. You just have to be aware of the risk and reward factor. And although I had to deal with the, the worst version of the corruption in the system, because yeah. I had to deal directly with the corruption in the, in, in, uh, in the, with the police at the highest ranks, 
I still consider Nigeria as an interesting market. And if it wasn't for the Nigerian justice system, so the courts, because in the end, I took the Nigerian police to federal court, which is the highest right. instance in Nigeria, and I won in that court, that shows that it's really not that bad. I was just extremely unlucky in that particular situation. Um, so it's, my book is not about telling you how big, how bad Nigeria is and why you should stay out. I think it's the opposite. Uh, what happened to me gives me the legitimacy to, to be reliable, you know, and, uh, in what I'm telling you about, because I've lived that. Yeah. Um, so so, so that's, that's the context. And to answer your question, um, obviously, yes, I was aware. And the irony, this is the biggest irony of, of, I guess, my adventure in that country is that I kind of believed the stereotype my friends told me, or not really friends only, that was the stereotype. You're this foreigner in this exotic country. You want to have a strong local partner that will protect you in case some bad people from police or from government or from whoever, from mafia, will go after you. You want to have a strong local partner that knows the local market. And that's why I found this, this very powerful local businessman who, another funny story, uh, had also Indian passport, not only Nigerian, because he, he has been a third generation uh, Indian living in Nigeria, uh, mm -hmm. educated in Harvard, no, excuse me, in Cambridge. <laughs> so I was like, I have this amazing partner because he's been educated in the West. He's been yeah. running international business for a while. He knows exactly how to run business because he's been running this huge conglomerate that was opened and launched by his father. He's a perfect partner for me. He will protect me. And the irony of the, of the story is that <laughs> he became the bad guy, <laughs> the guy that was supposed right. to protect me. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and the people that helped me uh, was the Nigerian justice system, my, my Nigerian lawyer, my mm -hmm. Nigerian friends that you know, provided me with any support I, 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 I wanted. So, so, so my story also is a cautionary tale about just not believing the stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. So for people who want to go, who want to do business in Africa or invest, like my flipping neighbor, um, which like before 2020 and COVID, like I was never really home, but like our dogs like barked at each other and like his dog ran into my yard and started playing with my dogs and we started talking and, um, he's like, do you like it over here? I'm like, yeah, I like it. I'm not here a lot. And he's like, yeah, I'm not either. I work in Africa. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. really? And you live like, but you live in Nashville, Tennessee, but he had kids here. And so, um, you know, his ex-wife lived here. I like got his life story in, uh, my yard while our dogs played. And, um, he owned a communication company in Africa that was huge but mm -hmm. like no one in the United States, much less Nashville, Tennessee, like knew what he did or, or anything. I mean, it really didn't matter, but he was in Africa eight months out of the year. And he was like, I'm going back to Africa tomorrow to hire some more people like for my communications company. And he's like the way that, um, the internet works here and the way, you, so he starts like explaining it to me, which is like so over my head. And, um, I mean, the closest thing I know about Africa is I was supposed to go to a conference in Cape Town, which I don't even know if that's where that is in, 
yeah. in relation to where you were in Africa. But um, we, I was supposed to go to a global leadership conference, but then COVID happened and got canceled. You know, so I don't know anything about the, mm-hmm. Af- the Africa culture or anything, but I was excited to learn. And so for somebody who, um, well, first they should just read your book <laughs> to learn more. <laughs> Um, but what are some takeaways if people are thinking about working in Africa, setting up business or investments in Africa? Like what are the top three things that you would tell them? Uh, first of all, it's a very versatile and a huge continent. Uh, first, let's start with the size. I okay. think there was this interactive map. If you Google the true size of Africa, the image will pop up. I think you can fit United States, Russia, whole Europe into Africa, and, and you still have a lot of space left. Wow. Um, okay, I didn't realize I, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm flying from West Coast to East Coast, like six hours, uh, more or less. It depends on the, on the, on the, on the, on the uh, uh, aircraft, of course. It's a huge continent. Mm-hmm. Then you yeah. have a billion, billion of people, 54 countries. The countries is really a fake concept, artificial concept, because they were created 100 years ago by the colonizers. But the ethnic groups that have the real thousands of years of history, there's more than hundreds of them, many thousands local languages and tribes. Um, in Africa is, I mean, the nature is so different. You're on the, you're on the east or on the south. It feels like, it feels like, middle, uh, like Europe. Or you're on the north, obviously, it feels like Middle East. Then in the middle, you have the desert. Then you have also high mountains in the, on the east where sometimes it's even snowing. Extremely versatile also in terms of nature. Wow. Just vast, vast, vast continent that has a lot of challenges. It's really hard to scale a business fast because there are infrastructure challenges. There's a big disproportion between the rich and the poor. Um, you can't just look at the data and thinking, oh my God, it's a continent with billions of people. I can sell anything there because... There's a big problem in terms of how much money the people have, how well educated they are. So a lot, a lot of challenges. But to sum up for me, this is how I always look at it. And, and sometimes people which are oversensitive, they will accuse me of being a white savior. <laughs> There's this thing, thing called white savior complex. Also Google it if you want. But I, I, I could <laughs> yeah, say I've never this. heard of it. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> uh, it, it's, very, it's very funny. I mean, you, you know, if you don't like someone, you will see that person walking on the water. You will say that, she doesn't know how to swim yeah you can always spin facts around for me (laughs) it was always this in germany or in poland right now if i want to make business in my area i don't know online applications fintech solutions and so on i'm just most likely going to come up with another way for people to live their life even more comfortably to charge the credit card on a regular basis, whether this is going to be an app or a faster car or another type of movie or game or whatever. In, when I arrive in, 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 in Nigeria, I see that I can solve much more basic challenges of, of life. Like, for example, we've built the first website that allowed you to book a hotel online or first oh. e-commerce shop that allowed you to buy something online. That was like a real life need that changed your life quality by a significant portion, right? Because you don't have to spend now four hours by going to the shopping mall, which is on the other side of the city and so on. Mm-hmm. And, and then and in the second wave, I've noticed that all the people that we have hired, because we opened call center, we hired drivers, we hired marketing people, many times very young people stretch out, fresh out of university, 
but the, the quality of the education in Nigeria wasn't the best. So we were giving them a lot of knowledge. Obviously, many of those people at some point left, maybe to another company, but maybe to open their own businesses. And it's extremely gratifying for me to now catch up with my first time employees from eight years ago. And many of them have built their career in the companies we've built. Some of them have left. They went to work for banks. Some of them, they opened their own businesses. And, and, and they say that the, the experience that I, I am able to put it into their CV of working with these international companies that at some point arrived to them, helped them either get a better job, raise money from the investors, learn something. So we somehow transferred the knowledge into them. And now they're, they're going, they're well, well off, well, well better off because, uh, because otherwise it would be hard for them to break through uh, because the opportunities were just not evenly distributed and still are not. So that's what's really gratifying for me that yeah. I don't know how naive that is, but you're making money, <laughs> but, but also you kind of see an, a positive result by building this real capitalism, you know, not the capitalism yeah. that destroys environment, not the ones that just, you know, moves all the profits into uh, tax havens, but the capitalism that changes people's lives on a daily basis. When I, another example, when I hired my first driver, because in Nigeria, the, the traffic jam is so crazy. Uh, I would spend four hours just by, you know, behind the wheel. So you have, have a driver oh that gosh. takes you everywhere. And I remember we bought a car and then he was paying for this car from his monthly salary and the car became his. And then he bought another car and I recently spoke to him and now he has four cars and three employees. He's still driving this car. Uh, but when I met him, you oh. know, I, he had no car. I bought the car and then he was able to buy this car from me by paying me part of the salary back that I was paying to him. Yeah. And that's just so that's cool awesome. to look. You know, when I was a kid, I was living in Poland. My, although my father was a soldier and my mom was a teacher, uh, every holiday they would have, every vacation, they would spend to go to Germany because Germany was back then such a rich country in comparison to Poland. And my father would work for this one month a year as a gardener. And my mom would work as a waiter in a restaurant in Germany, although she was a teacher in Poland. Just because mm -hmm. the amount of, of salary in Germany was more than six months of their salary in Poland. And that's how they've wow. made more money and they kind of progressed. And then we became, we've, we've built wealth a month over um, time, time over time because somehow the wealth of one country was transformed to the wealth of the other country, if you know what I mean. Um, mm. and, and, and all those, all those things we received by, being living in Poland as a poorer country, thanks to the connection to German businesses, I now kind of see how I am now transforming and giving back to, to the businesses and the people I work with in Kenya or in Nigeria. I don't know how naive that is. I don't know how white savior no, I think it's awesome. that is, but for me, it's, it's, for me, it's very real. And, um, right. and that's what I do. That's amazing. So, uh, you did so i'm this uh true color certified facilitator and so amanda sent you like our yeah. little word cluster game and you yeah. and you filled it out and thank you and so your story though is uh very much in line like with your numbers and so i know that you probably don't know what any of this means because you haven't done okay. true colors before um yeah. but just like all the others like enneagram and myers-briggs and you know all of that stuff um, which 
I want to tell you what this stuff means. And then I want you to tell us like about more, I have some more questions about your book, but like just your story and like how you have, like you said, you're, you're lucky and you're stubborn. Like when people tell me, they're like, oh my God, you're so lucky. I'm like, oh my God, no, I'm hardheaded. I'm stubborn. I'm going to make sure that I see this through because there's justice and there is a right way and there is a wrong way sometimes. And so to me, it's just the determination of winning when you know that Mm -hmm. you didn't do anything wrong. And so, you know, then yes, like God's going to place certain people in your life that they're going, you're going to surround yourself with the right people to help you get there. So like in your colors, you were 18 orange, 15 gold, eight blue, and 19 green. So what these different colors mean, which I know you guys are listening, so you can't see this, but Mark looked at the pictures and then rated the pictures by what he's seen. And so your highest color is green, meaning Mm -hmm. you are, um, you love numbers, you love data, you're good at numbers, you're good at finance, you're good at research, and you, you're smart and you, it's all driven by data and facts. And so you would be able to figure your way out of pretty much anything, especially if you know you didn't do it because your, your lowest, which we call us, we call it your palest color is blue, which mm-hmm. is eight. And so it, which that's the emotional part of business and you don't let the emotions drive the outcome you are based mm-hmm. on data so when i was reading your story and you it was like talking about like finance and your investments <clears throat> that all made total sense for the green then your second color which is you're only one point off to orange so you're 19 green 18 orange which is very close which the orange is your risk taker you are not bound by rules or deadlines or mm-hmm. a map that anybody gives you and says you have to do it this way. You have an open mind about things. And the fact like when we were first talking, you're like, I've lived here and I've been here and here and now we're here and then we're going to move. And, you know, <laughs> it's like that's the orange side of you where you get bored easily. You're not going to sit still in any country and let some silly business deal because one idiot like turned you in or something and try to put everything off on you. It's like, no, you, you have the data, you have the facts, you surrounded yourself with the attorneys, you got yourself out of the shitty ass mess (laughs) that, that you got put in. But then you were still like optimistic about it. And then you're like, I'm going to share this with people to educate them. So, because otherwise, like, why would you just keep this story to yourself? And so then your next number is 15, meaning like, high gold, like Amanda, she's very high gold. So it, and that's very purposeful because like she is a GSD queen, meaning like she gets shit done. These are the people that like are loyal and there are systems and there are boundaries and there's a right and a wrong. So Mm -hmm. if you were like a super high gold person, you would have probably had a tougher time adjusting and adapting to like, what the hell just happened to you? (laughs) Um, so it's all based on like your personality I can tell, um, like this, like crazy story, which I see as like a business opportunity because you came out way stronger and look at how many people you're helping and look at how many people that you're teaching them to be an entrepreneur. You're giving them the tools. And at the end of the day, like that does feel good to be able to give back. And so going into the book though, I want to know like 
how did you pick the title? Like, where did Chasing Black Unicorns come from? Like, did you come up with that or like did somebody else come up with that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, when you were, you know, trying to analyze my personality, you, could, you can't see this, but I was nodding all the time. It all makes sense now. <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of the book title, Chasing yep. Black Unicorns, uh, for me, it's very symbolic because unicorn in, in, in my sector, in online business, unicorn is this uh, basically a private a company launched by private capital that was able to achieve a valuation of minimum $1 billion, which is like this unicorn that everyone talks about, but no one knows if it exists. Everyone tries to find it like a Yeti in a way, but unicorn is cuter. <laughs> so I guess this is why we call it unicorn, not a Yeti. Uh-huh. Um, and then chasing it because everyone is really trying to build this unicorn, change this unicorn. There's this, there's this goal of building such a big company. And, and also that goal itself is not the healthiest one. Sometimes it's much better for the world to build a smaller company, but maybe healthier and so on and so on. And, and obviously, again, one in a million person that tries to achieve this um, it does that, which is why I'm talking about chasing. And I think I, I already mentioned this. Everyone tries to be like mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or, or Jobs without realizing yep. that maybe they've, they've done what they've done instead of their characteristics, not only because of. And, and uh, that's the correlation and causality uh, differences. And then black, because obviously it, it has happened in, in, in Africa, which where there's a lot of black people living. I'm this white dude yeah. <laughs> chasing black right. unicorns. So that's, that's how right. I kind of added the... The, the African aspect of it. And we have Chasing Black Unicorns, which I, I find a very cool title. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's really fun. And it I think it goes along with your personality just by like profiling <laughs> your personality with the True Colors methodology. And so what really, so I know like all of your profits like from this book goes back into um Africa, right? To uh, one of the charities in Africa? Yes, yeah, so actually, I've, this is a charity which I have opened with my, with my girlfriend. And that's another story. Uh, when I was living for all these years in Africa, my first Nigeria, then, then, then South Africa, you kind of learn and you deal with those local or charity organizations, those huge ones, and the small ones and the big ones. And then you realize how ineffective they are in the best case scenario mm-hmm. and how, how destructive they are to the continent in a worst case scenario. I do believe that we have done to Africa way more harm than good by giving them so much aid, which was distributed in a very wrong way. But that's another story. Long story short is that we decided that instead of giving money to some charities that we know that are promoting themselves on TV and forcing the negative stereotype about Africa by showing kids with big bellies, um, mm-hmm. instead of showing cities which are growing and middle class which is getting stronger and so on and so on we've decided we are there anyway I have people I know and I know how to distribute my own money in a better way so and I also wanted to help a group of people which is forgive me my curse here but if you're <laughs> fuck, if you're if you're screwed by the way you are what by the location of where you were born who are those people most screwed by life? That even if they, mm-hmm. there's a second Einstein being born, she or he will never become a second Einstein. And I didn't need to look far. There's this state in Nigeria called Borno. There's this city called Maiduguri, where Boko Haram, which is the West African arm of 
connected to ISIS is very active. Mm-hmm. You, you can Google it. They're constantly kidnapping girls, turning them into slaves. They're killing the villagers. Horrible stuff. Even four weeks ago in that city, they've, they've killed four aid workers working for United Nations and so on. And there's the wow. school for orphans. <laughs> so if you're an orphan living in this region mm-hmm. with, with a very radical Islam, we, we're, we're targeting orphan fe- girls. A girl doesn't have the strongest position in the society in radical Islam, unfortunately. So, like, and, and in this poor region without electricity, with Boko Haram, like, you're really screwed. So, we yeah. wanted to help those girls. So, there's the school, and uh, long story short, because I'm talking too much, all the profits no, from it's the book amazing. sales. <laughs> thanks. Uh, all the profits from the book sales, as well mm-hmm. as, you know, any speaking engagement that I have regarding the book, as well as I also, you know, put some, some personal uh, salary part into this foundation. Uh, kind of goes into the charity, which is called Maya Foundation. Um, and if you go to the book site, Tracing Black Unicorns, just click the foundation in the menu and you will also see all the details about uh, what's what's been done there. It's so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so amazing. How long did it take you to write the book? Or did you just have someone like interview you and then they wrote it so you could like get it out quicker? Uh, yeah, no. So I tried this, but it wasn't really faster for me because I've tried it. I've done the huge interview and then that person wrote it as a sample. And I was like, we're going to spend mm-hmm. more time by me improving you than I prefer to write it on my own. Yeah. And, and writing the process is a, is a, is a, is a great process to, to learn how to put your thought into paper. Mm-hmm. It teaches you discipline, teaches you clarity. You send better emails at work extremely valuable skill to have. And, and also I was writing about shit that happened to me, you know, a couple months ago, very powerful stuff emotionally for me and then a couple of years ago. So if you write about something which is so close to you and so you're so emotionally attached, you have a flow naturally. So I was writing like crazy for a couple hours per day. So I wrote the whole book in three months. Okay. And, and then I gave it to the publisher <laughs> and that's where the most painful process started because the publisher gives it to an editor and then the editor, which is an expert about how to write a book that people want to read, but he messes with your kid, you know, the book is your uh-huh. child. Now. Yep. And when he gave me the book with his corrections, there was more red font <laughs> than my own font. <laughs> and, and, and that was the most painful part, like adjusting the book and changing the content and the form the way he suggested that was actually a woman a, a, a great editor as she and and that part took six months <laughs> that was the most painful part wow. and then and then it's just details you know but choose the cover you know choose the subtitle and all that stuff so all in all it took us from writing the first letter to seeing my book in in the bookstore which is a cool feeling by the way yeah it took it took 12 months 12 months but I think that's pretty good. I mean, a lot of people I think that, so, yeah. Yeah, they go through it. They're like, it's about a year. Um, so, I mean, I think that, that, that that's really good. And by the way, for y'all that are listening, you have to go to the website, which we'll put all this in the show notes and <laughs> click on the foundation link because these children that you and your girlfriend, I mean, these precious, precious little kids, like what are they like? three or four years old like in these pictures they're so little these all these yeah, I, 
I, I think the main photo with me and Jerica, we actually took that in Bhutan. Uh, we, we, we went at the orphanage there. So we helped that orphanage once when we were in Bhutan. The, that's what the picture you're probably looking at. But then yeah. you scroll down, that's the photos from the school in Nigeria that we're helping. Yep. Yep. But kids actually, here and there, doesn't matter. They all, they're all cool. And uh, uh, we are actually trying to help, especially those kids with, which show some talent in mathematics and you know, in, in science, in, in hard, hard, sci hard topics. Because if, if you have someone that is good at maths, then once you push him into the right direction during his primary school, high school, he or she can become an accountant or a web developer. It's much easier to predict whether you're going to be successful in life, if you're going to so-called make it, if you're going to be financially uh, stable, yeah. when you go, when you point your career into that direction, because accountants, engineers, and web developers will be needed for sure in the next, in the next years to come, which is not that obvious. The probability is lower when you go into, you know, philosophy or, or, or soft, soft kind of skills. Um, but when I have someone in the foundation that is good at maths, I know that I will be able to help him with an internship or with a university because in the end, that is my sector. You know? So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm targeting the help towards people, kids in that case where um, I know my probability of success and by success, I mean them becoming financially independent mm -hmm. in the long term, in 10 years from now or, or even more, that's my success. So was my help sustainable because you know sending laptops is cool but what then you know buying a meal for 1000 kids once in a village is cool but what afterwards so i prefer to help i prefer is the right, wrong word these are tough choices to make but with the limited resources that you have you want to focus on a group where that help will become sustainable and those people will stop needing your help at some point and they can even then help someone else. You know? So you have this, that ripple effect. Absolutely. So you're, you're in Dominican Republic now. And so yeah. what's next? Like, do you know, like, what's next? Oh, it's so hard to plan now, right? With, with the whole situation <laughs> happening in the world. I, yeah. am, I, am, I am extremely lucky to be, to be where I am with life, considering everything that happened to me. Because, uh, you know, staying in a beach house... <laughs> in Dominican Republic and trying to wait until the COVID madness is over is, is one of the coolest places to be in. Like we've discussed yeah. earlier, I, I was stuck in Barcelona when the first wave hit. We were living in mm -hmm. Barcelona and uh, first three months we could only leave the house three, time, three times to, to do shopping. It was crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so nowadays we have a, we have a garden. Uh, me personally, I'm still involved very much in uh, in the online business in Sub-Saharan African region. We have a we have a big digital marketing agency where a lot of big African brands work with us. Um, but also, my personally involved myself into in the solar energy business. Uh, I've invested in a in a company called Sunroof uh, from Sweden, which okay is go, it's going to be the European Tesla killer <laughs> because you know Tesla. Besides I love cars, Tesla. Teslas are amazing. And besides the cars, they also do roofs. And uh, oh. this Swedish company is, uh, is essentially their competitor in Europe. And like I told you earlier, I like Africa because I feel like I'm making money, but also doing something good. And I also see yeah. that it doesn't matter how naive that is. For me, it's real. That yeah. by investing in solar energy, 
investing in renewable energy sources. You're kind of trying to tackle the, the, the current issues we're facing in the world, including yeah. uh, cli climate change, to say the least. So that's my kind of like a second big bet in my professional career besides, besides let's just say, uh, online businesses in, in sub-Saharan African region, which is a very strange niche, and I know that. <laughs> and my second bet, <laughs> just to be slightly more diversified, is, is solar energy. Uh, actually, which is now our main market is, is Western Europe, but then hopefully we'll also expand to Africa. But this is how I'm kind of keeping um, my eggs not, not in the same basket, which is, I think, very yes. important for us now when we're dealing with all those uncertain times. Yes, but no matter what is going on with the economy, the solar energy and like how that is growing is I, I feel like it, it can't go backwards. Like it can just go forward to help things. And I used to do, do some um, luxury weddings on some private islands. Wow. And so I got to know some of these owners, which I didn't even know that existed, you know, until I started to um, go, go do these weddings for clients. And um, one of the islands that we were, I was a consultant on, they wanted it to be, the two owners wanted it to be fully, um, powered by the sun. Yeah. 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 And it was so cool. Like some of the technology and like the things that they were talking about, but there were a lot, they were also getting, um, grants and, and funded because they were building this energy efficient. I like, it's just to think back that, I mean, that was a couple of years ago. It's just, it's crazy because like mm -hmm. the average consumer, you know, the average American, unless you're like pulled into some of these projects, like you have no idea what, like how big of an impact some of these things can make, like not just in the U S but like in the whole world. And so, um, that that's like a whole different podcast about solar energy. <laughs> I'm like a geek when it comes to all of that, but I'm, I'm like fascinated by it because yeah. I think that, um, yeah, like it can only get better. Like it can't go backwards. Um, so this is totally random as we wrap up. Has anyone told you that you look like Bradley Cooper, an American actor? <laughs> yes, I, I, I get that a lot, especially when I'm in, especially when I'm in Africa. Because, you know, that's the funny thing that when you're white, there's this joke that all the Asian people for you look the same, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> when, you're, when you're in Africa, for, for like, for example, for Nigerians, almost all the white dudes look the same. So uh, they usually tell me that uh, either Sergio Ramos, which is like a football player in Real Madrid, or Bradley uh -huh. Cooper, which, which I think it's, it's a very flattering, but I don't think yeah. it's true. Thank you so much. <laughs> but I always blame it on that, yeah. Like, I was, I was like, looking at your headshot stuff that um, my team member sent me to, like, post some stuff on our stories. And I'm like, damn. He's cute. He looks like Bradley Cooper. And then your girlfriend <laughs> looks like the girl that is on, um, which I don't watch a lot of movies or TV, but she looks like this girl that is an, um, like a CIA agent on some show with Jessica Alba, like who's another um, actress. Interesting. But okay. she looks just like her uh, CIA partner. <laughs> so okay, I'm that's like, nice. I'll tell her that she's in the yeah, other room. Yeah, so. I don't know the girl's name, but if you go on Jessica Alba's TikTok, they always do these funny dances together. They're best friends. It's really cute. But anyway, it's totally off topic. Um, <laughs> I'm good at like going down those roads. But anyway, everybody that's listening, 
go to the website, chasingblackunicorns.com. Again, we'll put it on the show notes. Go get the books. And, and you can also get the book on Audible and listen to the story and learn about the, these different cultures, especially if you're going to be dealing with clients um, that are in different types of cultures. That's the biggest thing for me in um, my past career doing weddings of all different ethnicities and understanding the cultures and traveling the mm -hmm. world and, you know, me working in Dubai and, you know, people saying, like they're saying to you, they're like, you're a little white girl with blonde hair. Like you will never do uh, luxury weddings in Dubai because they don't, they don't associate. Racial problems. Yeah, women. exactly. Yeah. So it's just, and it's like, well, no, actually I, I did, I, I can do it. <laughs> so fuck you. Like the people that think just because, you know, you're not their color that you can't work with them. And so it's just been, um, a crazy journey to learn about it. And so, yeah, I was super interested in your story, but I loved talking with you today. I could talk to you all day. Uh, but our time is up, unfortunately. So, and, and I know you're very busy, but I thank you for your time and everyone that's listening. Uh, again, we'll put it in the show notes, go get the book, check out the story. And if people want to contact you, is there a way for them to contact you on social media or they should just go to your website? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, on all those main social medias when you just Google my name, uh, okay. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. But uh, my name is very hard to pronounce. So I want to spare you this. <laughs> if you go yes. to the book, book site uh you'll have all the links to contact me there chasingblackunicorns.com yes. thanks so much for allowing me to share my story it was really a blast and uh oh my of god course. we did speak for more than an hour already the time has I passed know. <laughs> i know so everybody that's listening thank you again so much for your time i hope you guys have a wonderful day and be sure to tune in next week to another episode of business unveiled bye that's it for this week's episode of business unveiled now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.